It's cheating behind the ref's back. And check us in the park. By the way, Murray, you still owe me 35 cents, you son of a... Yeah. It's the Outdated Wrestling Hour. Cordova, Tennessee, and welcome back to the Outdated Wrestling Hour with Bob Smith. I'm lovely Bubba's Bavendi. No, wait, hold it. No, I am Bob Smith. <laughs> I used to be with, <laughs> I used to, I'm sorry, that's an old Steve Allen line. I, I, I give credit where credit's due. Um, that name. <laughs> anyway, welcome, welcome to the show. We, we got a special and different show for you tonight. It's been my goal for a long time to have somebody way younger than me on the show. I mean, way younger, like many, many decades younger. She's making a big name for herself as a podcaster, a behind-the-scenes person. She's everywhere. I mean, she is absolutely everywhere in the wrestling scene. Her name is Kimmy Sokol. Very, very glad and proud to have her on the show. She's an interesting person. I'm going to get to know her along with all of you. After that, we're going to have a now versus then segment, the likes of which you probably haven't heard anywhere else. Because usually on this show, you have a couple of veteran fans discussing then versus now. Now, I'm going to discuss now with a now person, as Albert Brooks would say. Look that one up, too. (laughs) But in any event, this is the show I've wanted to do since I started the show. Two totally disparate opinions and mindsets and ages talking about professional wrestling in my day and in her day, which is now. I think this is going to be really interesting. I have not recorded it yet. This is one of those shows where I'm going to record the bulk of the show after this intro. I was actually in the same place with her at one of the uh, Icons of Wrestling conventions in Philadelphia. I had no idea who she was. I think I saw her there, but I had no earthly idea who she was. But in the time since then, I've discovered her and her work, and she's got a big future in wrestling. I hope she hears this, and I hope she agrees with it, because I really think she does. So, first of all, we'll get this commercial announcement out of the way, and then we will return with somebody you'll get to know one way or another. I guarantee it. Her name is Kimmy Sokol. Ladies and gentlemen, Wrestling Fans International Association is back. That's right, the premier fan club association of the 1970s and 1980s has been revived and is back in business. Join today. It's free at the WFIA.org. That's T-H-E-W-F-I-A.org. You can also join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash groups slash WFIA 1969. Okay, we have a fellow podcaster, a media member, someone who works at conventions and does more stuff before lunch than you and I do all week. Her name is Kimmy Sokol. Kimmy, welcome to the show. 
I don't know if I would say that I do more than everyone before lunch, but I appreciate the sentiment. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited look, to be here. Look, we're Facebook friends, right? And I see her everywhere. <laughs> I see her backstage. I see her standing next to every name wrestler I can think of in the sport today, right? You've known them all, male and female. Um, she just tell you know what? We'll start like this. You do so much. Give us the laundry list of what you do right now in wrestling. Oof, where do I start? So I currently write for a website called The Pop Break, and that's how I got like all my media credentials. So this past year, I was able to be on three media scrums for AEW, and I got to cover the Madison Square Garden WWE house show, a part of the holiday tour. That was like my big thing. And I review Ring of Honor every week for uh, PW Insider with Mike Johnson. So do some writing stuff. I currently host a podcast called All Things Honor, and we review Ring of Honor every week because I'm one of the five people that watch Ring of Honor TV <laughs> because no one else wants to pay the $9.99 to watch it. So I'll do it. Then I'm also a part of the Bob Culture podcast, and we predict like every single pay per view every month. So Royal Rumbles this month, we have Revolution in March for AEW, Elimination Chambers in in Australia. So we'll do like that type of stuff. He also has a website called the BCP Plus. I've written a couple articles for him as well. Um, I currently do commentary for Warriors of Wrestling, which is my local independent promotion. I've also done in-ring segments, backstage stuff, and I also write the press releases for Joe Bellini as well. And probably the coolest thing I get to do is I get to work the convention scene with a bunch of the top talent. I currently work for a agent called Gilbert. He runs primetime appearances, and he represents a lot of the bigger AEW stars, so like a Britt Baker, an Adam Cole, a John Moxley, an Orange Cassidy, and basically I make sure that nothing goes wrong at the conventions and everyone behaves. <laughs> That's it? I think so. I, someone will remind me if I forgot something. Yeah. Well, well how about the camera stuff, the camera work? Well, I know that's not wrestling, but tell us about that. Well, I did that. I don't. I haven't done it since I graduated college. But a, one of the many, or well, one of the cooler things I did in college was I was a part of a program called Bronx Vision, and basically any stream that we had on ESPN three or ESPN plus, I was a part of the production team, and I did camera work, I did graphics, I did. Um, producer, I was director, and in 2022, I was able to go down to the Mac tournament, and I was part of the production team for that. So I could work in a production truck and do a camera. That's that's great. <laughs> that that's really awesome. I, you are already accomplished. You see, she doesn't think she is, but she is. I'm telling you, as someone who worked in a little bit of sports media myself, uh, you're off to a great start. Thank a great you. Start. Thank hey, you. I wasn't into, uh, you know, before I got my first press passes, I was in my 30s. So you're doing good. Yes, I, I, I got. Did a, I, 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 you know, I didn't tell you what I did early on. He, she knows I work for PWI, but I also worked as a sports writer, a legit sports writer. And I won a couple of journalism awards. The biggest one was for uh, the New York State Newspapers Publishers Association for an interview I did with Mike Tyson when he was only 20 years old. So I, I, I've been everywhere too. You know, start you start out. It's a funny thing when you, when you're in media, you started doing one thing. You're going to end up doing something totally different by the time it's all over. I can tell you that right now. Nothing stays the same for long. You know, that's you know, promoted, why I feel like you know, yeah, yeah, you do a little bit of everything, and then you find what you're good at. And that's why, like when I was in school, that's why I picked sports media because I was like, I'll learn a little bit of everything. I'll find something yeah. I'm good at, and we'll stick with that. Smart, very good. Okay, now. 
we've gotten the pleasantries out of the way, and we have an opportunity now to talk about something that I don't think has ever been done on another wrestling podcast. You are a young person. I am older than mud. Okay. Now go ahead and laugh. It's all right. What what we're going to do is you're going to give me your perspective on today's wrestling. I'm going to give you my perspective on today's wrestling. I'm not going to preach to you about what old wrestling was because why should you be interested in old wrestling? This is your scene because we have seen you everywhere posing for photos with every name wrestler I could think of, which must be kind of cool. How does that, how's that feel to get to meet all these people? It's it's interesting because I could also say that two thirds of a roster that's on TV every week knows who I am and they respect me and they also like working with me. Like I've been told that that locker room highly, highly respects me and for only being 22 and to have a whole locker room like know who I am is astonishing and crazy like mm-hmm. i remember i was coming home from new york city comic-con and my friend texted me and she was like what is it like to have the whole aw locker room just love you and i was like damn you're right i don't know it's weird but it's mm-hmm. like when i get to see them do cool things like to see Britt baker at wembley i thought was the craziest thing for me because i knew her before she even signed AEW, when AEW was just an internet rumor and to see her wrestle in front of eighty thousand people in wembley stadium was the craziest feeling for me so it's it's fun that you also get to see a lot of the wrestlers true colors and i've lost respect for a couple people along the way <laughs> Okay. Not gonna lie. Yeah, yeah. Hey, it was the, the same way. Same way in my day. So that never changes. That will never change. But for the most part, I mean, I'm enjoying it. Mm-hmm. Great. Okay. Um, that's that's wonderful. So anyhow, oh, I also saw pictures of you on Facebook recently. In a ring, seemed to be you were either interviewing a wrestler or they were interviewing you what was going on in those photos i so i was interviewing warriors wrestling champion darius carter he was having a championship celebration he was not happy he that i was at the championship celebration he thinks i invited myself meanwhile i got a louder reaction than he did and i got cheered (laughs) while he got booed so I don't really know what the problem is. He was like kind of attacking me on social media. I don't really want to have beef with the Warriors wrestling uh, world heavyweight champion, but Darius, I'll see you in February. Okay. Leave it at that. There see you February 10th. Uh, that's, this is, this is cool stuff. Cool beans is, as they say. All right. Now here we go. We're going to talk about what, yeah, let's just start at the beginning. What attracted you to wrestling? You're obviously a mega fan. What got you into it? So my dad was a wrestling fan when he was younger, and my grandpa used to take him to all of the house shows at the Garden. So like his first show was when he saw Sheik be battling, battling for the title. And when I got my WWE media credentials, it was like 40 years to the day of his first show at the Garden. So it was like, oh my God, full circle, yay. So <laughs> he was always a fan. And then when I was eight we got like a flyer in the mail when tna was doing their baseball tours and i've never seen wrestling for in my life and he goes do you want to go see this and i was like sure i had nothing else to do and little did i know that saying yes to that question would literally change the perception of my entire life because if i said no i really don't know what i'd be doing right now and Mm -hmm. i think just at a young age the thing that attracts everyone to wrestling is just the characters, the stories, the bright lights, the costumes. Like, I 
I smiled from the moment that bell rang to start the opening match to the moment it ended the main event. And as many people have like kind of walked in and out of my life, wrestling was the one thing that always stayed. So I knew in that moment, like I'm meant to be here. I don't know what I'm meant to do, but I'm meant to be in this somehow, some way. And the past 13 years, it's always been like, yeah, th- this is it. Like, this is the thing. I, I, you know, something we're similar in one regard, and I, I don't want to tell stories about myself because this is your platform, but I want to just say this. When I was 12 years old, 13, 14, uh, living in upstate New York, I'm originally from Greene County in upstate, and church was Sunday at 11 o'clock, right? So was wrestling on my local TV station. Something inside me said, I've got to see this wrestling. Right? The same way you feel about wrestling. I have to see it. I don't want to see it. I have to see it. I just had a feeling that someday I would be involved with it. I don't know why. I just did. So after about a year and a half of fighting with him, please let me stay home from church <laughs> and, and watch the wrestling, they finally acquiesced. And you know what? To this day, it's the, it's the greatest fight ever. I'm glad I won because I learned so much. I, for some reason, I have kind of a steel trap memory for everything. and. The stuff I learned watching those early wrestling shows has informed me straight to this day. I can still remember big moments from those shows like they were yesterday. And, you know, I ended up writing about them for various wrestling publications. So, uh, like you, I think you have a premonition that even when you saw your first wrestling show that I'm going to be involved with this somehow. Am I right about that? Yeah, it was like the weirdest feeling because so when I was four years old and they asked you in pre-K, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? I always said I wanted to be Kimmy. And it wasn't because I didn't understand the concept of having a job. It was (laughs) I wanted to find the thing that made me me and from pre-k to second grade i and like third grade i searched for that i searched for that and searched for that and i found it in wrestling and there were so many people in my life like this is just a phase she'll grow out of it and i'm like no like this is going to happen i'll never forget in high school i did track i was an athlete like my entire life so my first track meet my coach said to me he goes oh like what what schools do you want to go to for college i don't know why he was asking a freshman that question but that's besides the point and i said oh i'm gonna go to full sale because you know wwe has that partnership with Folsom University. I'm going to do an internship for them and that's going to be my end to WWE. And he's like, you can't go to Folsom University. I said, why not? And he goes, because they don't have track there. And I'm like, I don't want to track in college. That's not it. This end goal is wrestling. Like, that's my end goal. My end goal is not being an NCAA All-American D1 athlete. It's this. And... I didn't go to Full Sail. I applied. I got a very nice scholarship. They still call me because they want me to go. But I chose wrestling over everything. And I'm glad after many years of fighting it, it's finally paying off in some way. Oh, that's great. You know, I, I, this all started when I answered a two-line ad in the New York Times to work at PWI. Two-line ad. Out of nowhere, I saw it and I went, bing, I have to apply. And I got the freaking job. And back then, there were no wrestling jobs. Zilch. We're talking early 80s. I remember watching an NWA title change at the Meadowlands and being one of two reporters there. Can you imagine? There was no such thing as press conferences. There was no such thing as wrestling media at all. I mean, at all. The only people covering it were the wrestling magazines. I'm serious. You know? Now they now they have TV spots on it. And Forbes has a wrestling writer. And you go to press conferences, and it's like totally changed from when i did it you know why and we'll get started on this in my day wrestling was not cool at all at all in fact female fans were rare seriously 
Oh, I get it. I have stories. I have stories for you. Oh, okay, great. Okay, but no, back 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 when I started, I I saw my first cards in a gritty, semi-urban arena. It was actually an armory called Washington Avenue Armory, and it was wooden chairs on the floor and one light over the ring. There was no such thing as musical entrances. There was no such things as well anything. Simply the wrestlers end of the ring, they announced them and off they went. It, there was no pyro, there was no lights, there was nothing. It was like seeing a boxing match only it was wrestling. You know, it was just plain. Everything was plain back then. If you look at tapes on WWE Network of Championship Wrestling and All Star Wrestling, you'll go, that's all they did? Because there's absolutely no accoutrement. It was just a ring. That's it. Now, you know, for what you probably from the time you started experiencing, it's, it's, an unbelievable spectacle. It's entirely different. Have you ever seen the old stuff like that where it's just a ring and people are going at it in a ring? I've seen some old clips of like the 80s. So yeah, mm-hmm. I've seen the very downgraded compared to now. It is very different, but I think, you know, the thing about wrestling now, it's TV deals are a big deal. TV deals mm-hmm. weren't that big of a deal back in the 80s. Like right. now it's if you have a TV deal that you got to make money and that's the only way to make money. It's streaming and TV. That's it. <laughs> and you have to appeal to all those people to tune into your network every single week. Yep. And uh, another way it's different now that was then. You have major companies. You've got AEW, WWE, you've got Impact, you've got um Ring of Honor, you've got, what's the other one, MLW. You know, I'm going down the list. Back then, it was all territorial. Like, a guy would work in one territory, go to another one, go to another one, go to another one. You'd have uh, people like Andre the Giant and Ernie Ladd who would go to Federation to Federation because that's the way they did it back then. And in Japan, too. So, and they had regular monthly house shows back then. Like, and they were important. The fans weren't conditioned to think nothing's happening at a house show. I think today's fans are conditioned to think there's not going to be a title change. There's not going to be this or that, but they would happen back then in house shows. So if you can imagine, they, they used to run when I was a kid and into my young adult years, they ran the garden every single month, every single month. They ran Boston every month, Philadelphia every month. And that was the same thing with Memphis and all the other territories and the NWA and the AWA. If you can imagine that, like the, the WE comes back every once on a Monday night, every single month. Now, how often do they run the garden? Twice a year? Once a year? Twice a year because the rent went up. The rent wasn't that expensive in the 80s. Right, right. Or the 70s. 70s, they blew the roof off the place. It was one of the highest drawing things that the garden was pro wrestling in the 70s. So uh, there's another way that it's changed. Um, and, of course, the way people wrestle has changed. The way it's presented has changed. How much do you... In- <sighs> Is there anything you don't like? Now? Is there anything about today's wrestling you go, eh, that could be better? I mean, I like as much as I'm a very esteemed person in wrestling media, I think inside <laughs> scoops have pretty much ruined a lot of things. Like yes. I feel like back then every like everything was a surprise. Now it's nope. oh, I know this is gonna happen. And like the worst part is like it's sometimes not even like things I find out on Twitter, it's things I find out in the promotion world of like talent telling me things and I'm like, Oh, thanks. Mm-hmm. But it's it's worse than that though because remember Carlito recently came back to WWE. Yes, right? there were fans in the stands saying "Welcome back, Carlito!" before he showed up. In other words, he comes running down the aisle, and everybody knew he was coming. Yep, that, I worked his last indie show. Yeah, that's not fun. It's not fun not to be surprised. It is fun when CM Punk came back and surprised people. 
right? I mean, it's there's no one nobody. Knew. But you said it. Nobody can keep a secret anymore, right? No, it's it's so difficult because I feel like if it's like CM Punk, right? It went from he might be coming, talk stopped. Yeah, this isn't happening. Oh, here it is. Where, like, Carlito, everyone knew his indie appearances stopped. Like, I had a vendor who was supposed to have him at an indie show, I think, two weeks after his last appearance, and he had to cancel because he signed his WWE contract. And then you're on the waiting game, and you're trying to pick and choose. Like, okay, Carlito, I think, I think actually, it was, it was a New York, like, thing that Carlito was supposed to first appear for WWE, maybe at the Garden, maybe it was Barclays, I can't remember. But that was supposed to be his, like, first appearance, and he didn't show up there. Now we're all just waiting, 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 waiting. Oh, there's Carlito. Yeah. See? See, it took the fun out of it. But, all right, will you, uh, let's just veer off for a second. Were you surprised and delighted when Punk showed up? So I was in North Carolina for the wrestling convention. So I was like doing a million things at the same time. So I remember I saw Sean Ross that day and I go, so what are the odds here? He's like, he's not coming. And I was like, are you sure? He goes, I wouldn't lie to you. Like in person, I'm not lying to you. And I go, okay. So now I'm watching the whole show and I could just, I'm like, my dad's like, he's coming. He's coming. I'm like, you heard Sean say he wasn't coming. Like, He's not coming. And then he just appeared. I just left because I'm like, I don't want to log on to Twitter right now because there's going to be because there's people that are going to be like, he's a hypocrite, which if you go to that promo when he cut against MJF in Newark two years ago and I was there in person where he's like, you know, the grass is greener on the other side. Go to be the main event of a five night WrestleMania. Now he's going to main event night one of WrestleMania this year. Right, so there's right. the people that think he's a hypocrite. There's the people that think this is the greatest thing in the world. Mm-hmm. And I feel like at the end of the day, as long as he's not going to pull the same crap he did in AEW, sure, welcome oh, back. There, there's where we have a difference of opinion because I think the other guys pulled the crap, not him. I mean, I feel like everyone was involved somehow, so why? Mm-hmm. I don't think yeah, anyone yeah. is innocent in that but sense. You make a good point, and you know what? I wasn't there. Right, so I'm not going to get all. I'm not going to get all up about it. But then again, uh, these type of things, these type of discussions. When I was a wee little tadpole, watching on my TV, my old console TV. Oh, I'm so old. We had a phone. You had to put your finger in and dial. You know, <laughs> I'm, you're going to go ahead and laugh. It's okay. Back when I was a little kid, into my teenage years, people went to wrestling. Because they wanted to see the good guy give it to the villain. That was their mindset, and that was it. Either that, or you were, you know, a punky kid, and you wanted to see the bad guys win. You know, I like Superstar Graham because I want to see him win. Now, today's fan goes to a match, and you can criticize. You tell me if I'm wrong. Many fans, I'll say, go booking in their heads, saying this guy isn't being used right. Or they killed him because he got pinned on TV. That type of attitude. I which feel is like more in, it's more insider than simply enjoying the match. What's your take on that? I feel like people go into it like so. Like I don't understand why wrestling fans are so angry because they're never satisfied. Yeah, like exactly. I was, like I was at World Done, 
And I'll admit, it wasn't AEW's best show of the year, but I don't think it was horrible. And I remember, like, I logged onto Twitter before the scrum, and there were people like, this was the worst AEW pay-per-view of all time. And I'm like, are we forgetting, like, the exploding barbed wire deathmatch where the fireworks <laughs> didn't work? Yeah, yeah. Like, are we forgetting that happened? Like, there's been worse AEW pay-per-views. So I feel like it, everyone's just so judgmental and no one can ever be satisfied. And that sucks, because the thing about wrestling it's like we're all here because this makes us happy you don't need to get so angry about it it's not the end of the world relax people yes i'm totally in agreement on that people are taking i'm not saying they're taking it too seriously but they're taking the wrong things too seriously you know you know what i'm saying just relax watch let it unfold Enjoy, and I get the athletic- it. Enjoy the athleticism, right? And all that like, kind of thing. I don't like seeing my friends lose weekly. I get kind of like upset about it, but I don't let it ruin my day. Like, <laughs> see, like Daniel Garcia made him. I did like the first Dynamite. What was that? Like two weeks ago against Swerve. Did I know he was probably going to lose? Yeah, it didn't make sense for him to win. Swerve's going to probably go after the AW World title. Was I upset that he lost? Yeah. Was I able to enjoy the Rampage taping right after? Yeah, it's okay, guys. <laughs> right, it's not life and death, that's for sure. It's not um, life. All right, now, you're you're on social media as much as I am. That's how I keep up with you. The rancor between AEW fans and WWE fans has reached a fever pitch in recent months. It's almost, it's almost like people are going, oh, my God, Tony Khan is losing in the ratings. Good. Or... Oh, WWE is, you know, oh, they lost some ratings on Monday Night Raw. Good. Why would anybody say good to either thing? I mean, you, you, it's cool to be a fan of one or the other or both. But why root for one to go out of business? I think the thing for a lot of people to understand that, like, without Tony Khan AEW, a lot of things right now wouldn't be happening. Like, I don't think New Japan would be, like, in the state that they're in. I don't think Impact would have returned to TNA if Tony Khan didn't come into play. Like, Tony Khan changed the landscape of wrestling today. Whether you like him or hate him, you know, I don't like every business decision that man makes. But you know what? He gave a lot of my friends a job. Mm -hmm. I hope to work for that company one day. I like the guy, but I think people just get so Tony Khan's a moron because he tweets and he yells at everybody. Like he, like earlier last week, he went at Jinder Mahal on Twitter and everyone's like, this is the worst decision of all time. Like he should have a PR department, which he should. A PR, like he should have a PR department. That is without question. Mm-hmm. But again, it's not life or death. Tony Khan tweeting is not going to ruin your day. If it's ruining your day, like, go touch grass. Take a breath. <laughs> but you know what, though? Even politicians get feedback, negative feedback for stating something on, you know, you know what I'm saying, on social media. So it's, it's par for the course. That's Everybody, why I don't say my opinion you know on Twitter. What? Well, there's, yeah, me either. And I'll tell you what. People take uh, social media as real life. That ain't real life. Real life is the interactions between people. It's not a statement on that goes in the ether once you read it. You know what I'm saying? It's like people are way too hung up on social media and probably use it too much and don't get off it enough to be honest to to be honest to. People are people are people create friction and you know, rancor doing social media. I don't think it's you know, I try to avoid that. I this show is not about bashing anything. It's more of an appreciation of wrestling than you know, I'm not listen, I'm not the biggest AEW fan. I'll be honest with you. Just because there's a few reasons for that. 
Number one, I think Tony works as wrestlers too hard. You see, I am of the old school opinion that professional wrestlers are some of the greatest athletes on the planet. I respect them so much from the guy who's the champion to the guy who works house shows only doesn't even appear on TV. It doesn't matter who it is. I respect wrestlers a thousand percent because in my day I saw guys living in their cars, driving three States over to go to wrestling school and eating frozen sandwiches from a, and, and taping them to their manifolds or their car just to have something to eat and working for $25 payoffs. And I knew these guys personally. So I have nothing but respect for, I think pro wrestlers are great athletes, period. Say what you want about what they do. They're still athletes and they're still great at it. So it bothers me that I think, um, in many cases, I think they work too hard and take too many risks. I don't want to see anybody get hurt. I mean this. I mean this sincerely. I've talked about it on the show 50 times. It's like, because they're such good athletes and they put their whole lives in line just to get to the spots they have, why why force the issue and have them do dangerous things that could end up in real serious injury? What's your take on that? I think, well... Tony Khan is just a hypocrite for saying that he's the, he has the safest um, wrestling company. When he had John Moxley at Grand Slam finish a match with a concussion and take another hit to his head. Right, right. I was there for that one too. And I was like, ooh, that, no. I think the thing is, you know, I don't think there's more of like Tony's call. I think it's the individual wrestler's call. And I think that a lot of the difference between like. See, there's the problem. There's the problem. It shouldn't be the individual wrestler's call for something like that. You can't. Oh, do it that. shouldn't. It's the no, coaches it, and the wrestlers. I think the difference is too. A lot of these AEW talent go from indie straight to AEW. Like there's no difference to learn yes. an AEW style of wrestling. Where WWE, you go to the indies, you go to NXT, you learn the WWE style of wrestling, and then you go to the main roster. So there's a breakup of you cannot do A B C D E on the main roster. So we're going to teach you how to wrestle our way. AEW, it's not like that. And you know what else AEW is guilty of, too? They will take someone from the farthest flung indies, like here in Long Island. Chris Statlander came out of Creative Pro and went into AEW with that same dumb space gimmick. That does not play to a national audience. You can do that in a small arena or something. She's great. She's awesome. And I'm rooting for her every day. I think she's a great talent. But you know what I'm saying? They take the same gimmicks and styles they had working in front of 50 people in a vfw and putting it on national tv can't do that you can't do it nope i mean there's a lot of things that AEW does and i'm like why like why do we need to put jericho in a faction with 10 people Mm -hmm. why why is christopher daniels wrestling on ring of honor every week why well look i soured on it i i watched the listen nobody was rooting for this thing more than i was Remember that card at the garden where all the all the indie police people got together and sold the garden out in an hour and they had the Rhodes Brothers fight in the main event and all that stuff? That was magic. I you could smell change in the air right then. You remember that, right? Yeah, now, so that was so the Rhodes Brothers wrestled a double or nothing, but all in was before that. So it's two different but, shows. Oh, is that two different shows? I'm conflating. So, so All forget, In forget. was the first one that they did at the Now Arena, and the main event was a six-person tag, but Cody Rhodes and Dustin wrestled at the at Double or Nothing 2019 in Vegas. So there was like a six-month period between both shows. See, you're, you're up on it. I'm, I'm not really that up on it, to be honest with you. But, but here's the deal. Um, so I'm rooting for them. Oh, good. We got an alternative. Everybody said that, right? Everybody wanted an alternative. And then I, I tune into the very first show of AEW, and they're going to have a battle royal, and I see a guy with no legs. I'm like, what are they doing? 
I'm sorry. Not everybody can be a wrestler. I'm sorry. And a lot of the early talent on the early EW shows was not fit for prime time. What's your opinion on that? I think that Tony tried to give as many jobs to as many people as possible. I think he still does that. I think his roster is way too big and there's not enough hours to have all his talent on TV. Mm -hmm. That's why we have Ring of Honor, sadly. And I cover that show weekly. But I think that now he realizes like the pros and cons of like signing too many people. I think now that's why you see a lot of people who were signed in the very early days now, like kind of they're letting their contract expire and letting them leave like an alley whose contract expired last November. I want to say it was like recently. So mm-hmm. like someone like that, um, Marco stunts, another one, like they let his contract expire and a couple other names. So I think like Tony's realizing his mistake now but i mean is he still throwing major money at all these people to sign them to be like haha vince or haha triple h i got them first mm-hmm. yeah we still yeah. don't know where mercedes is gonna go yeah and that's something i've been reading all kinds of conflicting reports on that so it's like i'll just wait and see and i hope i'm surprised don't you <laughs> i mean i'm gonna assume she's going to AEW, but that's, i that's what i heard too okay I mean, her her glowy friend is rumored to return to WWE at the Royal Rumble. Right, right. Trinity? Yes. Right, yeah. So, um, a couple episodes ago, I had Kerry Silken, who used to own Ring of Honor on. And he agrees with me that AEW is on three times a week on either TBS or TNT. I felt that when he bought Ring of Honor, and Kerry agreed that one of those shows really should have went... One of those time slots for AEW should have went to Ring of Honor because that way you could give it its own flavor and, and people would actually know the doggone thing exists. Do you agree or disagree with that? I agree. I've said that for, I think, well over a year now that Collision should have been the Ring of Honor TV deal or even right. like Rampage since it's mm-hmm. only one hour. That should be the Ring of Honor TV because if you go to Collision taping, they're taping Ring of Honor before and after Collision. And if you're watching Ring of Honor, you could see how empty the crowd is. And it's not fair to someone like Athena who's carrying that show on her goddamn back because no other champions want to come to the show. That's a mm-hmm. rant for another day. And she's wrestling in front of 200 people. Yeah, right, but someone right. like Tony Storm, who's the AEW Women's Champion, gets to wrestle in front of 10,000 people. Why is that fair? Athena shows up every week. Mm-hmm. No, how can you argue that? <laughs> Great point. Um, are there any spots you don't like? Like there, there are certain things that wrestlers get in the habit of doing these days that, that defies logic. Like, uh, and this is people from my generation are dead set against the high spot from a high place, like a basketball hoop or I don't a, think Sting should be doing those. No, but no, what I'm saying is to the floor because you have five guys holding their arms up to literally catch the guy for more than 30 seconds. Before he decides to come down upon them. And it's so freaking fake. Your opinion. I mean. I mean that's just like any other spot. Like if someone's going to do like a knee to the face. And the person's like this. For like 10 seconds you know. So what's the difference? (laughs) That means that spot was blown too. Seriously. These guys are blowing spots left and right. That's another thing that. I tend to frown on is that if you got to do it right, guys, or am I the fogey here thinking that the suspension of disbelief of, 
getting lost in the match and thinking, wow, these guys are really, or these ladies are really going at it. Does that mean anything anymore? Because to me, it, it should, but it doesn't. I mean, I don't go spot by spot. Like, I'm a commentator. I don't know every single move. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, that's just me. Like, I don't know every single move that a wrestler does. I do it for the match in general. Like, I'm not going to go on a pot. Like, I don't want, like, anytime I review Ring of Honor, I don't review an Athena match. And I'm like, oh, yeah, so this was bad, this was bad, this was bad, and, like, critique the whole match. No, I'm like, okay, overall, the match, I thought this was good, this was good, and this was good. I think spot by spot, like, I think that's way too critical. And I'm a very no, 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 no. Well, let me, let me, let me uh, rephrase the question. Shouldn't it look like a fight? I feel like it still does. Do you? Yes. You, you don't. You don't ever turn away from a match. You go. What are they doing? What's what? What was that supposed to be? You no. know what I'm saying? You know? No. No. Okay. All right. Because you know what? My generation does. My generation looks at look at looks at both both WWE and and AEW and goes, what are they doing? That's so obviously you know can you know what i'm saying it, it's like there there's a big uh disparation between your generation and ours in that you know when someone is literally standing outside of a ring for 40 seconds waiting for someone to land on them instead of moving i mean literally standing on their feet with their arms there because you know they they catch they catch the guy on the way down so but you're not supposed to make it look that obvious and they make it look that obvious. That's a problem in our eyes. I mean, are we being a little bit overly critical? I don't think so. I think if you're going to do it at least like Charlotte Flair at least sets up and comes down at a reasonable time when she does her corkscrew down down to the floor. That looks real. Too much of what happens looks like um a ballet. You know, a gen- general um, working with each other to do the moves when 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 it looks real, it doesn't look like they're working with each other. I I don't know if this sounds foreign to you, but that's that was the whole idea, is to make you know people think they were getting hurt or what have you. Uh, but we have you know, what do you think? What do you think? You think we're being overly critical, or is yes. it just a, you do? Like, you think we're being yes, overly critical? I've never heard anybody else complain about that. Ever oh, and my dad's can, and my dad's can, like around your age, and he's never said that either. We complain about on this show on an almost weekly basis. <laughs> I'm serious. We depending on who the guest is and what we're talking about, you know. But uh, okay, so we agree to dis- disagree on that, and it's fine that you feel that way. I hope you think it's cool that we feel that way because it's, <laughs> it's like, you know, it, it detracts from our enjoyment. We'll put it that way. Things that look really fake. Remember, here's the thing, the whole idea, the whole world, you know, the kayfabe word was based on a, a lady named Kay Fabian who thought everything was real back in the 1800s or whatever the heck it was. So it's like the concept was to make things look as real as possible. And, you know, like I say, in the old days, if you can imagine this, the heels weren't allowed to travel with the faces. You I know. know. You weren't allowed to be seen with, you know, all this stuff. So, again, that couldn't stand anymore. You know, it, you know, that's times have changed. You know, there's press conferences after matches, which you've attended where they talk about how they come up with creative concepts. So I realized things are changed. Everything is different now. Everything's different. So, you know, it's, it's one of the things that people of my generation have the most, we pick at that the most than anything else. And it's certainly not the presentations. What, what these companies do in terms of overall show, it's phenomenal. What what WWE does in a stadium is an incredible 
spectacle. Um, even AEW looks really great. The pacing is tremendous. You know what I mean? As TV shows, they work. I get silence. <laughs> I don't know what you want me to respond with that. Oh, no. I'm- oh, no. But I'm, I'm, I'm just saying, you know, I think most fans may try, try to be fair. And here's the deal. We're all still watching. You know, we watch. I don't watch every week, but, you know, I try to keep up on things in case the monitor stuff comes up now. So, you know, um, I'm trying to be fair and trying to explain to you things you might not know about people of our, our generation. That, uh, and I am sure. The, the comment I hear about younger people is they watch an old WWE show on Peacock with an old man ring announcer and no no show at all around it. And they watch squash match after squash match and they go, all of those are squash matches. But there was a psychology to that back then. Do you look at the old, have you ever seen those old matches and go, this is really boring? Not really. I mean, I understood the science and like the psychology behind building a star. I think it's something that they still do to this day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes I think they don't give them enough time. Do you agree with that? In other words, they'll bring a newcomer in and, you know, well, how do you feel about this? Somebody comes up to the ring with a mic and WWE and goes, you stink. I want to, I want a match. Get a referee. I like the promos. I think the promos the, is what engages an audience. No, no, I think it's, it not helped. The, it's, it's not the promo I'm talking about. It's the fact that you, they seem to be booking matches on the fly right in front of everybody. I, yeah, because I think that kind of build that because you have to fill three hours of tv if you're talking you were talking about raw right or like wwe programming yeah yeah and i feel like that it breaks it up of just having a backstage segment with adam priest or just having like a random match announced on twitter i feel like it breaks it up and like it's different so i enjoy those that's fine okay all right She's shooting daggers at me in her, with her eyes, folks. <laughs> I you think, can't even I, see I, my did I, did eyes. I, did I, did I, no, I can. Did I hit a nerve? Of the in terms of, no, no, no. Because it, it's it's like I, I again. I don't want this to be argumentative in any way because I think you're terrific, and I think people like you are going to build this business in the future. I, I'm just saying that um, there is a difference between the perspective of someone who goes back as far as I do and, and the kids today. It's just all there is to it. But I'm glad that wrestling is still around. I'm thrilled that it's making money and people are into it like never before in some regards. Um, you know, there's downsides to it. Did you see the price of WrestleMania tickets in Philadelphia? I did. Very expensive. Oh, my gosh. That's, that's more than a World Series or the Super Bowl. No, Super Bowl is way more expensive. Well, it depends on whether it's aftermarket or first. But some of those ringside seats are, oh, my gosh. I almost well, they- fell on the floor. They also have the uh, travel packages that people could buy. So it's like Mania, SmackDown, Hall of Fame, and like Raw. So it like covers everything if you're like traveling outside of state. Mm-hmm. Boy, things have changed. I'll tell you this. I hope you laugh at this. The place I used to go to see wrestling was in Albany, New York, upstate. And when you went to buy tickets, you would stand in line and they would pull them out of a old El Producto cigar box. No cable, no anything it was just they, they were literally selling the tickets out of, and counting the money at the end of the night so times have changed a thousand percent you know it, it's like and i can't get that vibe out of my head sometimes that i was around for you know when it was so so much more simple but now it's a way bigger business than it was how do you feel how do you feel about the growth do you think it's healthy do you think that they may be Making some people stay home with the ticket prices, although nothing nothing points at that. People say tickets are too expensive, but then they fill the, the football arena two nights in a row. So I guess they're priced fairly. I think that 
wrestling fans, if they want to, they'll spend money. I've seen it, like, at the convention scene, you know, mm-hmm. people I work with aren't the cheapest to meet either, and people will spend the money. I've seen it live in person. So it depends if the wrestling fan is dedicated enough, they'll find the way. Even if they can't afford it, like, they'll find the way to save or, like, get the money somehow and pay. Because, like, yeah. like World's End 2, there was probably six to 8,000 people there. And people were like, oh, there's not that many people. And I'm like, the arena's filled. I'm looking at a sold-out Nassau Coliseum. Mm-hmm. Right, right. People don't take into account the way that it's set up. It's not in the round anymore. There's so much staging that probably a quarter of the arena's cut off, right? Uh, depends mm-hmm. on the show and the production. It right. changes from time to time. Yeah. I, the garden has changed, too, because they used to enter through the center of the garden, all the athletes, because that's where the locker rooms were. And since they renovated, it's all different. And they can do the large staging on one side, which cuts off probably three, 4,000 tickets, I would imagine. So uh, do you, uh, what's your favorite arena? Who do you like to go the best? Because uh, you Bar- went to the garden. You went to the garden several times. So that, that's yeah. mine, but I'm wondering what yours is. Barclays is an all-time favorite of mine because I've seen a lot of like cool moments there. Prudential's been a favorite of mine. I'll say the Cure Arena because that was my first arena that I was media for, and it was also my college graduation. So I feel like there was kind of like a full circle moment in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I liked it's crypto now. It was it used to be the Staples Center. It's now crypto. <laughs> I liked that one because I was in a private suite. I was gifted a private suite for WrestleMania week to watch SmackDown the Hall of Fame. That was really cool. Unreal. That's great. How many states have you gone to to watch wrestling? To watch, see, or be part, or, or to work, to work. I think I'm at thirteen now, twelve or thirteen. I'm going to Rhode Island next month. Will be a new one for me. Now you're also at all the conventions. We were probably were you at the Icons of Wrestling in Philly last summer? Last summer, July, yes. June or July. So we were in the same place. I actually had a, a, a table there for that particular event, and I. I you were probably there. I was there. We didn't know who we were at that. Each other were at that point. I would have said hi, but um, how much do you enjoy working the conventions? Because you obviously do that quite often. It's my favorite thing I get to do. I think mm-hmm. working with so many top talent, it's really cool to like kind of see them on a different side. Um, having a fan base because of that is astonishing and really cool. And I think, you know, I'm at the point now where if I'm at a convention and like 90% of the talent know who I am, I get yelled at by talent if I don't go up to them and say hi. They think I'm big timing them. So that's, <laughs> so they, they like to make the joke that I'm big time Kimmy and I, I don't have time for the little guys anymore. And I'm like, I have a line. When my line died down, I was going to come over to you. That that was a nice little conversation I have with Maddie Rinkowski before she got signed to WWE. Very happy for her. But mm-hmm. it it's just it's amazing. I would have never believed that I would have gone to travel and work with an agent, work with so many talent. I would have never like even working with Cody Rhodes in December. I would have never thought like all of that would lead to that. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Well, you know, this is a, this is a way that. Another great way that it's changed. When I was covering for PWI, I had locker room access to everything but WWF, right? And I'll tell you what, it was a different mindset from the wrestlers back then. It was still kayfabe, and everybody was kind of an interloper. So when you entered their domain, when I did go into a locker room, everybody would kind of look at you and go, who's that? Why are they here? Sometimes they would warm up to you. Sometimes they wouldn't. You know, they would kind of be standoffish with anybody who wasn't 
an insider or part of the business or part of the company. That's all changed now from what I understand. Wrestlers are a lot more amenable to someone like you who is working amongst them because, you know, the, you know, the door has been flung open. It's a different mindset. So in a way, you have it way better than I did because it was harder to get access to wrestlers in my day than it is now. Well, I think the other thing is, is a lot of, like, I try to keep the media and convention life separate. So a lot of the wrestlers I work with don't even know I'm in media. So mm-hmm. Athena, for example, when I interviewed her, it was over the phone. So she couldn't see it was me. And then I, we did the scrum and she saw, like, and I asked her a question. She saw it was me and you could see, she was like, oh my God, it's Kimmy. But she didn't like say my name or anything. A month later, I saw her at a convention. She's like, I have a bone to pick with you. I was like, what? She goes, why did you not tell me that that interview was with you? And I go, first of all, how many Kimmies do you know? Second of all, <laughs> like, did, did I need, what was the reason? Did I need to tell you it was me? She goes, I was so nervous. I worked myself up and it was you. I would have been so much meaner and so much in character if I would have known it was you. And I'm like, well, are you trying to tell me the interview wasn't good? She goes, no, no, no. It was a lovely interview. I had a wonderful time. But next time, say it's you. And I was like, oh, okay. But I've, like, I've been in the situation from a vendor standpoint where I've had to tell media people, like, no. Like, Chicago, the Wrestling Observer came up to Brit and I was like, yes, no, sorry. Like, that's me. Little me telling the Wrestling Observer no. I was like, that's the end of my media career. It's over, guys. I'm retiring. Because <laughs> I said no to the Wrestling Observer. And Britt's like, your media job's tomorrow. Your media job's not today. And I was like, yeah, but still. Mm-hmm. Wrestling Observer. Yeah, no kidding. Well, when you say it was Wrestling Observer, who was it? I don't know. It wasn't Dave. It was two guys. I've never I've never seen them before, so I don't know who it was. But I was like, yeah, sorry. Britt's not doing interviews right now. <laughs> Mm, okay some hairy stuff that goes with the job too i guess but uh oh uh, i've had to uh literally be security for wrestlers like walk them around places because they didn't trust people i've had to like literally escort talent to the bathroom and stand outside the stall i've had to like chase i remember a fan took like a free picture with brit because i was standing on one side and there was like this open side that i thought someone else was going to stand and they literally like took like brit was looking that way he took a picture and ran off and i had to run after the guy to tell him to delete the picture and i had to literally stand there and watch him delete it i it's not it's not fun there's there's a lot of cons to my job i yell at people a lot i've yelled at wrestlers a lot too like sammy guevara was chopping fans and i go bro you can't do that and then he did it again five minutes later i go what did i just tell you he goes oh sorry i forgot i was like how did you forget what (laughs) so there's a lot of cons to my job there's very good ones there's a lot of a lot of bad things as well. You know, you're already letting me in on the fact that there's way more responsibility than I would have thought. You know, it sounds like you have your share of responsibility when you do this. Yeah, and that's and remember, I'm not responsible. I'm not financially responsible in this, which is great for me. But mm-hmm. also, it's getting pictures. It's making sure my talent arrives on time. It's making sure my talent got to the hotel. It's making my sure. It's making sure my talent has a ride to and from the airport. Making sure I have all the sharpies and markers. Making sure that I have change for customers. Making sure I have pictures, a poster, like um, a banner, hand sanitizer, water. 
it's a lot. It's a lot of people that it's a lot of things that people don't realize. And I think that's why vendors need to get more credit because it's not easy to do what we do. And I feel like it's so easy to like yell at us or say like, oh, you're not bringing in top tier talent or you need to bring in better talent sometimes. And it's like, no, there's a lot more into this that you guys don't know. And agents are a big part of this now that a lot of people don't realize either. So I feel like it's just a learning curve for a lot of people to understand there's more in the vendor world than people think absolutely no question from from running a table at a convention i can tell you that uh there's a lot to it there really is it's not just somebody comes in and sits down at a wooden table there's there's a lot more that's going on behind the scenes that people don't realize particularly when the better talent shows up or the more famous talent i mean i'm sure there's more security you know how has security worked at the conventions? Because is it kind of like an unseen factor or is there more security than, than we think? Um, so there's security usually at the building. I've never, I don't think I've ever seen like a security guard stand with a certain talent. Like that's mm-hmm. usually kind of like the vendor's job to make sure like they don't do anything, which is why when I'm there by myself, I laugh and I go, I am 22. I don't know how well this is really going to go. But you know what? You trust me. That's why, like, my first solo signing, it was, like, me. I was at a Philly store, and it was me, Britain, Orange. And I remember, because um, I don't have my license yet, so one of my friends drove me. And I go, all right, you're going to be security. You're going to make sure nothing bad happens at this signing. <laughs> and he goes, okay. He's like, what would happen? I go, I don't know. What if someone, like, you never know what's going to happen at these things. And now I have mm-hmm. a trusty security guard. And mm-hmm. I... I paid him very well for it. So it all worked out in the end. There you go. There you go. Wow. Uh, kind of like the music business, you know, it's, it's like very similar in terms of, you know, how always having somebody around to just make sure, you know, it's like, uh, does the job get super, super aggravating at times? Do you have any anecdotes about something that really cheesed you off and you're just like, why is this happening? Those type of things. Or, or, or do fans get really well odd? Fans get odd. I've had to yell at a lot of fans, which again, like a lot of these people are older than me and like they don't take me seriously. Like I remember the one time I was working with Tony Storm and like three people thought I was Tony Storm's kid. They were like, why am I giving this kid money? I was literally telling the story to Trish Stratus like two months ago and Trish Stratus like, there's no way. And I go, yes, there's a way. People don't mean to- like I was Tony's kid. I am not Tony Storm's kid for anyone who needed to know that. But like I've I've had people say that and like ruby soho i remember what was it it was big event she was like why aren't you sitting down like i'll get you a chair i go no because if i sit down next to you people don't think i belong here they think like i'm just a kid if i stand in front of your table they know i'm assigned to be here and she was (laughs) laughing she goes you know what that's a good point so fans are annoying i've had talent i'm not gonna name the name of who it is but there was a talent that yelled at me that i literally had to walk away because I was very, I was like, I was like, what am I doing to you? I am assigned to your table to work, and you yelling at me and saying the things you're saying to me is not helping anybody, and you're looking like an idiot. So that was a thing. Um, I've had vendors like yell at me about stuff and like come up to me and say things, and I'm like, again, like you're supposed to be somewhere else. You don't need to be at my table yelling at me. So there's a lot of interesting things that go on but i feel like i compare the vendor world a lot to a circus and you have to learn to like pick your battles and tame yourself and i feel like i'm the lion tamer for all the lions in the vendor world and i I know i know how to fight my way and again 
I work for an agent. And I'm doing something right. That's I have right. Britt Baker who says to me that any con that she's at, I'm working her table. If a talent's requesting me, I'm doing something right. That's right. Hey, speaking of that, talking about happy stuff, it doesn't matter who they are. In your dealings in pro wrestling, name a bunch of cool people who have been really great. Just no matter what, who they are, whether you're podcast friends or the wrestlers or other people behind the scenes, who who are, who's who are the cool people you deal with? Oh, only only the good. Oh, thank God. There's too many bad, right? No, uh, yeah, it's not what we're here for. We're here for to build up, not tear down. So who who who's been really really great? Although I get a lot of hate for it, Britt Baker's amazing, and I don't care anyone who's going to tell me she's not because I get that hate too much uh Britt's good at it's true like people like i've had AEW talent say things to me about it like oh you and your bestie over there Britt baker and i go she hasn't done anything to me like i don't know what like what positives you have in saying something to me about Britt. like that's between you and her that's not between me you and her but we're associated everywhere like people in the locker room associate us the media world podcast world it's just the Kimmy and Britt show. Britt's good. Adam Cole's good. Um, I'm the fourth member of the baddies between Kiera Hogan, Layla Gray, and Red Velvet. And that's <laughs> the coolest job I think I'll ever have. Um, although we fight on Twitter almost every single day, Nyla Rose, I guess, is a good person. Depending on if she wants to kill me or not. And that <laughs> depends on the day. Who else has been like... Adam Cole. Is it not? I think I said him already. But Adam Cole's yeah, good. Yeah. Trish Strass is good. Ruby Soho's amazing. Maria Canellis is my wrestling mentor and the first wrestler to ever take a chance on me in media. She's an, a lovely, lovely human being. I don't think I've worked with too many like bad people. Like I feel like wrestling-wise, like I've worked... I've been lucky with a lot of like really cool talent. Hobbs, like... Hobbs jokingly punched me like a couple months ago and I just like looked at him and I go why he goes because you you weren't looking so why not Mick Foley <laughs> is another one that uh, I, I I know I know I know Mick for many many years Mick is probably one of the five nicest people I ever met in the business he he's I was all everyday comic-con it was me and him and we, we mm -hmm. just talked about everything that's when tony khan was going off on twitter and i remember he was like did you see the tony khan tweets i go i did so then we were like saying our opinions about it i go this this is the life i can like live so happily um the ring of honor <laughs> women's champion athena is a love i'm a proud um proud minion 204 she's lovely lovely human being um the beautiful people angelina love and velvet sky they've known me since i was like 15 same with gail kim and brooke adams so yeah a lot of a lot of good people very few bad i think there's only like a list of three wrestlers that i have in my head that like i never want to work with again mm -hmm. okay. which out of 114 is not too bad. Shabby. No, that, that's a good percentage. Yeah. So I am picking up the vibe that it, this is really cool what you're doing because it's number one, you seem confident, which is half the battle in these things because it's a it's a business full of egos, and number two, you know a lot. I mean, you really know a lot. I mean, at your age, you're probably. And I listened to your podcast, by the way, one of them. I can't remember. I forgive my old man brain, but I listened to two episodes of one of your podcasts, and you know your stuff. It's right there. That's rare. So you've got the combination of confidence, knowledge, and probably you're going to show your ability in the, in the next year or two. Where do you want to end up in your career? If I had to end everything tomorrow, like if I had like a magic key that like, you know, 
This is it. Um, commentary for AEW. I feel like I feel like the perception has changed. Like WWE was always the end goal, but now AEW is like this whole new land. I have a lot of friends there, a lot of friends there that I feel like if we got to work together like once or twice a week, we'd actually like we'd have a good time. So commentary is my end goal, but I'm enjoying the ride doing everything else right now. Yeah, I, I talked to another guy recently named Tyler Peters who was also starting out commentating and. I had a good vibe from him, and it's the same vibe I'm getting with you because you're somebody who's going to – just my vibe is you're not going to need a lot of coaching. You've already got the mindset. You know what I'm saying? It's like you're not going to come in, well, what do I do now, and get sheepish and your knees aren't going to knock. I think you're ready to grab that microphone and go with it. Am I right? Yeah, so like even the segment with Darius last or two weeks ago, I remember like I was standing there and he like calls me in the ring. He goes, hold the ropes for me. And that's something we didn't talk about doing. And I'm short. I'm five one. Probably mm-hmm. not the person to be holding the ropes for somebody. So <laughs> the whole time that I do this, I'm like, oh, my God. I'm like, please don't let go of the rope. Please just like enter the ring because I'm scared I'm going to hit him with the rope because, you know, I can only raise it so high because I'm so short and Luckily, everything went smoothly, but in my head, I'm like, you know, if he would have told me that, that would have been nice to know. Thanks, Darius. <laughs> but luckily, nothing happened, so it went well. In my career with the magazines, I used to write a, a column in the Wrestler magazine every month called Introducing, where I introduced people new talent. I feel like I'm just in the same thing here, and I hope that my listeners find you and get into what you're doing cuz you know what you're going to be around a long time i can guarantee you that so where can people find you how would you like people to find you if they want to hear the podcast or find out where the conventions are and all that other stuff where can they find you the easiest so you could follow me on twitter at kimmy underscore sokol s-o-k-o-l i usually post like a, a week or like two weeks before like where i'm going to be convention wise so my first show is february 16th at new england fan fest i'll be working with trish status WB hall of famer i found that out this week very excited about that or you can follow me on instagram at kimmy.sokol because apparently when i made my instagram i forgot underscores existed so i have two different names um, you could listen to All Things Honor on Spotify or YouTube. I didn't record an episode for last week because I actually just got over having the flu. So no, so there was no new episode, but there'll be a new episode this Friday. And mm-hmm. yeah, thanks for having me. I had a really good time doing this. You know, I, I'm so amazed that you said yes. I came out of the blue and said, I sent her a message on Facebook. I said, here's who I was. Here's what I do. Uh, would you come on a show that's called the Outdated Wrestling Hour? And she said, "Yeah, it sounds like fun." And I'm, gl- I'm really, you know what? This is this has been wonderful. And I'm going to guarantee you, I'm going to get the show out before the 14th. I usually stack the shows because we're not timely. But your show, I'm going to guarantee you, we'll get it out as soon as possible because I want people to take a, you know, since your next one is the 14th, we'll get it out before then. Um, Kimmy Sokol, you're going places, kiddo. I am really proud to meet you. And next time I'm in Philly for a convention, I'm going to look for you. How's that sound? Yes, please do. Please come say hi. I don't bite. I'm an actual nice person. I swear. You know, I, I probably saw you there. And I just didn't know who you were. You know, it's one of those deals. Well, there that were a lot one, of people. There were a lot I, of people running around representing other people there that day. And, you know. I was with Brit that time. And I remember, like, it was right after Brit was sick. So I was just like are you like i like i was with her the whole time because like she had like a line like crazy and i was just like you know if you need to stop at any point she's like no we got to keep going and i'm like okay meanwhile i knew i had to say hi to daniel garcia who's on the other side of the room were you guys in the front yes 
See, that's why I didn't. You know what? Maybe I didn't see you because I was in the back with the other people. They didn't think it'd be cared about. But no, they had some stars back there. But they were the older stars. I think they put the younger stars in the front. Yeah, I think they put because that was AEW day. That's when they had like Britt, Lita, Sammy, mm-hmm. Ty. So right. they made sure they knew everyone was going to be like out there. So they knew to put the bigger stars out there. Right. I was in the back with the Blue Meanie and Greg Gagne and Jim Brunzel and Demolition <laughs> and that era of you know the the, the little, little Lonnie Kai I think was there. People that go all the way back to the sixties were in the back. So I and they put me back there too because I'm 106 years old. So what can I tell you? And then you've had um, Timmy Sokol. <laughs> Big name in wrestling coming your way, folks. And again, a million thanks. This is this has been really enjoyable, and I hope you feel the same way. Yes, thank you so much for having me. I had a wonderful time. That was really different, wasn't it? I enjoyed that thoroughly. Kimmy's amazing. Uh, she's just great. And I'm really looking forward to seeing what's up the road for her. I mean, she's a media member, a behind-the-scenes person, technical person. I mean, she's got it all going on. She really does. What a future she's got. No matter what road she decides to travel down, she's got a big future ahead. There's no question in my mind. I bet not in yours either after hearing her. In any event, that was a special show for me, and I hope you enjoyed it. As much as we here enjoy putting it together for you. So I'm sitting here looking back at the interview I did with Kimmy. And the part that I was really looking forward to is explaining my trepidation. A lot of fans our age's trepidation about the way wrestling is presented these days. It was as if I was speaking German. She really doesn't see any problem with the way wrestling is presented or anything that I had complaints about. We are of two entirely different mindsets about this. Is she wrong? No. Am I wrong? No. Is she right? Yes. Am I right? Yes. See, here's the thing. We are coming from two entirely different perspectives, decades apart in our initial fandom of wrestling. She loves it just the way she is. She sees no fault with it. Who would I be to criticize her for that? I cannot, because this is what wrestling is today. You and I and many of my guests tend to pick apart things that AEW and the WWE do, but she seems fine with it, and she's thrilled to be part of it. She kind of reminds me of me at her age. When I first got started with PWI, um, the world looks big and bright, and I'm certainly not going to uh, criticize her for her stances. I think she's brilliant. I think she's going to be a big deal in pro wrestling. And that's that. Hold on a sec. That is our theme song, that little Barney Miller-ish, jivey little piece, performed and composed by the great Brian Teo, the guitarist extraordinaire. Hope you enjoy it. Our website is Outdated Wrestling Hour. Dot! Buzzsprout. Dot! Com. On that website, you can hear every single one of our podcasts. We we keep them there in, in a line from the newest to the oldest. You can binge right there if you don't feel like using an app. Right, Grandpa? <laughs> so in any event, it, it's outdatedwrestlinghour.buzzsprout.com for all of our shows. And you can learn about the Outdated Wrestling Hour Fan Club, where for a nominal fee, you can become part of the production of this show just by sitting at home and listening and contributing just a little bit. We're not asking for much, and we will uh, 
have some Zoom meetings. We're going to schedule one in February where you can win a prize and you can talk. We can talk wrestling for an hour or two and have a great time together. So that's basically what we do. It's a chance to, you know, you could, if you've ever had any questions about the PWI years or what I'm up to, or if you want to, we have some other learned fans who are always part of these meetings and they're great guys. And I think you'll really enjoy it. And I give away something. So at any event, it's the Outdated Wrestling Hour fan club at outdatedwrestlinghour.buzzsprout.com. If you would rather just talk in an email, it's outdatedwrestling at gmail.com. Find me on Facebook. You'll see me singing with B.B. King on my Facebook page. Facebook's the way to go because I've done other people's shows thanks to it, and they've come on my show thanks to it. So it works well. We got some great stuff. We are still putting together the 1970s 100. This is going to be good. And I've got a new addition to tell you about. Not only is it going to be myself and Steve Generelli from Stick to Wrestling with John McAdam, John McAdam is going to join us as well. I just recently appeared on their show, or at least recorded it. Actually, no, it's been out by now. I hope you availed yourself to listen to that. I was so proud to be on that Arcadian Vanguard show. It's a great show, one of the real great nostalgia shows out there, if not the best. Just tremendous. Stick to wrestling with John McAdam. Make sure you tune in. If you like this show, you'll love that one, I'm telling you. Great guys, too. My name is Bob Smith. I spent many years at Pro Wrestling Illustrated magazine, worked my way into the managing editor position, and later worked for WCW magazine, two versions, and I worked for WOW, remember that magazine? Or I should say I, I wrote for it. And I wrote for Wrestling's Main Event magazine. I had a long career, a long time ago, writing about professional wrestling. Now I'm still in the sports media and doing other things, but I will say this. This is one of the favorite periods of my life. And I hope you enjoy looking back at it along with me. This fountain you threw me, and I hope it's one for you too. I promise you, we got some real special guests coming up and a lot of fun and information. So keep coming back to the Outdated Wrestling Hour if you're outdated like I am. This is Bob Smith once again uh, saying just what Ringo Starr says, man. We need it these days. Peace and love, y'all. Peace and love. Mm-hmm.